Welcome to the weekly podcast, or this episode, I should say, welcome to the three weekly podcast. And I apologize. Um, had a few things going on, wasn't able to put out an episode every week, but we are back. Um, I'd like to have some feedback. I know I don't have a great deal of listeners right now, but I, anybody that does, I would like to hear from you, good or bad. Uh, Instagram at The Weekly Podcast. Uh, leave a review on Apple with a five star rating. Um, Spotify or anywhere that you get your podcast or your music. Uh, five star reviews are important. Listeners are important, and I have very little of both but we're trying and hopefully within the next six months to a year we can slowly but surely get that number up um you can also send me an email at theweeklypodcast at gmail.com that's d-u-h-w-e-e-k-l-y p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com This week we're going to cover the case of Jason Ellis, the police officer that was gunned down in Bardstown, Kentucky. Now I know that there are several, or there's a podcast out now titled Bardstown, and it's an amazing podcast. Um, Also, Just the Tipsters has done some amazing episodes on, on the Bardstown tragedies. There's five murders in total that have gained mainstream recognition over the last several years Um, of course you've got Jason Ellis and you've got Crystal Rogers and then her father and then the the young lady and her mother but uh, this week I don't want to look at the, the Ellis case as a whole group Bardstown type situation I just want to look at the Jason Ellis case and let's talk about it I mean why did this happen how did this happen you know just give uh, me and you sit down have a conversation and just put out some theories uh, put put out the facts that we know and then put a little little theory behind it of what we think appreciate you listening once again, I want to thank my lovely wife. I want to thank my lovely children, uh, Mason and Marley. They're a big help on the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Gary. He is uh, my one and only fan. And uh, just want to say thanks. Let's get some reviews. We'll be right back. person he decides to leave a career that could have potentially been very lucrative and rewarding but instead he decides he wants to make a difference he becomes a public servant police officer for the greatest little city in the United States Bardstown Kentucky 
Now, we know the violent past years of Bardstown, and, and that's another day, another podcast. Right now, I want to want us to talk about the ambush and murder of police officer Jason Ellis and see if we can make sense of this senseless killing. Is it planned, random, or planned but random? No one really knows. They think they have a good idea. But at the end of the day, a senseless crime can't be made sense of. This is The Weekly Podcast. Was this a well thought out plan, an execution style ambush murder of a police officer planned out to the T? of location, timing, or was this just luck? Was it planned for a specific person? Was it planned for Jason Ellis? Was it planned for the next person that came up? So we ask ourselves, was it intended to kill him or was it just the next random person that came up to that location? we don't know but we have a good idea that it was planned specifically for him so was it a was this a well thought out plan to murder whomever stopped to move the branches if so what about more than one person in the vehicle foiling the plan meaning the location was the choice and the person was more random Maybe a gang introduction. Just a random killer. Sounds crazy, but it all sounds crazy. What also sounds crazy is that in order for the murder of Jason Ellis to go off as planned, here's the few of the things that had to happen. The perpetrator of perpetrators will have had to know his schedule down to a T. They would have had to have known his route home and the time he would be taking that exit. And had to know his habits, in and out. And the fact that he had no working dash cam, and the fact that he didn't have his dog, so the killer or killers would have to be a well-old machine to get this all off without a hitch. Or, the luckiest morons And right now, it could probably be a 50-50 shot at this point as to which one's right. But let's look at it here. Here's what we know. Let's just go through the timeline and see what you think. So, let's do some dates. We know... Officer, Police Officer Jason S. Ellis, age 33. He has served seven years on Bardstown Police Force from 2006 to May the 25th, 2013. He was the son of Denny and Pam Ellis, 
a maiden name, Dear Wester, grew up in Baltava, Ohio, and graduated from Glenn Estes High School in Withamville, Ohio, 1998. He entered Cumberland College, played catcher for their baseball team. In 2013, he still held the college's career record for batting average at 389. Hits at 246, doubles at 60, home runs at 34, runs batted in at 183. Games played 186. He was signed by the Cincinnati Reds and played for, played for their minor league team in Sarasota, Florida and Billings, Montana. During 2005, he left the Reds organization to make a difference. Jason joined the Bardstown Police Department as a police officer in 2006. In less than three years, Officer Ellis received Governor's Awards for Impaired Driving Enforcement in 2007-2008 and was awarded Officer of the Year in 2008. He also became the department's only canine officer in 2008 when he partnered up with the German Shepherd Fago. He further served his community as a youth baseball coach. So we're talking the only canine officer in Bardstown, Kentucky. Now we know Bardstown, Kentucky is like any other small town near Appalachia. Probably devoured with addiction, whether it be pills or meth. But I'm certain he was able to make a lot of enemies and to foil a lot of plans by incarcerating some of these drug dealers whether they be just low-level, entry-level drug users slash drug dealers or possibly some, some people that were moving some pretty decent weight. During this time, there was an epidemic of folks from that area traveling to the great sunshine state of Florida to purchase hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of opiate-based pills. So at this time of his killing and through his, uh, well, his in, not really so much in 2013, but 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, that was some of the peak moments of, uh, of drug trafficking from the state of Florida up to the state of Kentucky. But the incident we're speaking of today occurred on May 25th, 2013. At around 2 a.m., he signs off his shift being over and is heading home now it states that after having a late late arrest and having put his prisoner in the Bardstown jail Ellis secured his tour of duty on second shift and headed home to Bloomfield did not have Figo with him at the time he was uh, operating a pool car so as such, he didn't have a uh, camera mounted on the dash. Now, I'd read, <clears throat> read stories also that he had a camera, but it wasn't functioning. But I've also read that he didn't. Either way, he didn't have access to one that was functioning. Also, his dog wasn't with him because the vehicle that the dog normally rides in has to be caged. That vehicle was in the shop for repairs. So... Around 2.30, as he left the Bluegrass Highway, Bluegrass Parkway, the BG, he takes exit 34. As he rounds this exit, now we'll, we'll stop for a moment and talk about this exit. 
from what I can read, as you take this exit, about halfway up the exit as it curves around, it goes in between two rock walls, we'll say, or it, very good cover right there. You can't really see. Once the car had come around the curve and starts up the exit about halfway, basically it's just not visible. There is no visibility from at the top of the exit or the bottom of the exit. There is two rock walls on each side. So no, as he pulls up and takes this exit, he notices some, some tree limbs that are across the road. Now he could possibly get around these limbs, but they are blocking enough of the road that he feels it necessary for him to stop and get out. But he's a police officer. And anybody that knows Jason Ellis knows that he's going to stop and he's going to move the tree limbs that are in the road. They're off to the left side of the road. Now this is an exit. There's not oncoming traffic. There's just one lane, but it's a pretty wide lane. And the limbs are blocking the middle to the left side of the road. So as he gets out, turns his lights on, exits the vehicle, gets an armload of limbs, and shotgun blasts start to ring out. I want to point a couple of things here from studies that I've read, the tree limbs, and they keep this pretty close to the vest as far as what type, no one knows. But what we do know is the limbs that were there were not indigenous of the area. So they were brought in from somewhere else. That, and no quicker than he'd picked up the limbs, the shots rang out, whether it be two shooters or one. And we do know there was two different types of ammunition at the site. So what we're looking at here is Officer Ellis gets off work at 2 a.m. He signs off. He heads home, which is about 15 miles, I believe, away from Bardstown. So as he takes this exit, as he gets to the area of the exit that's totally secluded, in between two rock rock walls of sort, he stops because he sees tree limbs across the road. As he goes and picks up the tree limbs, he is ambushed by one or two shooters or one shooter shooting two different types of ammunition. His gun is in his holster. He is not the wiser as to just what happened. In his mind, he's getting out to move some some branches out of the way so that the next pedestrian coming through or the next person coming through won't, won't run over them. He's doing his job. He's helping his community. So here's what we know. Whoever has done this has put the branches across the road. So we ask ourselves, is it the location? Is it because of this, the exit being secluded? Is it because of the, the height advantage of coming from a position of, of elevation to have an advantage down on the victim? So is it the location? And it could have been Joe Blow coming up to stop and take the limbs. I see. 
So here's what we got to look at. Let's say it's the location. Let's say someone has decided, let's just take gang initiation. Okay, in order for you to be in our gang, you've got to take the life of someone. You've got to murder someone. Well, let's set this up. Okay, oh, exit 34 here. It's real secluded. You can't see anything in the middle. We'll put some branches across the road, and the next person that pulls up will just kill them, ambush them, shoot them. And we'll get away with it. Okay, so who's to say that the next car comes up? There's three or four people in that vehicle. Uh, one person gets out, they start shooting, they call it in. They drive away. That person, I mean, there's a lot of things that could, could go wrong. And what makes this crime so eerie is that everything went so right for the perpetrator. Jason Ellis was not in his vehicle. He did not have a dash cam. He did not have his dog. He was on his way home. There are a lot of factors that come into play that pinpointed that they were after Jason Ellis in particularly. Was it because of drugs? Well, you would have to be a pretty serious offense in your eyes to blatantly set up an ambush to kill a police officer because you have to know that the full weight of the government will be after you. incident itself so we'll say somewhere around 236 you've got a Toyota being driven by a young man that's driving his hell I don't know parents or whatever home from a night out on the town and um they're sitting behind the because the, the, the cop car is the police officer, the car is sitting there um, with its lights on. So he signs off at two o'clock. He say it's two fifteen, two twenty. Within minutes of him pulling up, he is ambushed and shot. So at two thirty six, we know Chad Monroe, a distillery worker, came up behind the Corolla which was driven by the son, the father, and the mother. They were sitting They were sitting in the Corolla. Chad gets out to see what's going on because obviously after sitting there 15, 20, 30 minutes, they know something's not right. So he come up behind the Corolla, got out, spoke to the woman, and then went to help the officer pick up the limbs. When he saw Officer Ellis on the ground in a pool of blood, he ran back and told the driver of the Corolla to call the police and then went back to, to render whatever aid he could. At 2.40 a.m., the woman entered Officer Ellis's cruiser and called for help on his radio, reporting that the officer had been involved in an accident and she thought he was dead. So at this point, you can't they can't tell that he's been shot with the buckshot or the shotgun. 
It just looks like maybe he'd been involved in an accident, moving the limb. Somebody come through and run him over. Kentucky State Trooper Mike Garantis responded and determined that he had been shot. Nelson County Coroner Rayfield Hofland later said Ellis was shot multiple times with a 12-gauge shotgun. His service weapon was still in its holster. About 11 a.m., 50 cars from multiple agencies escorted his body from the scene to the Kentucky Medical Examiner in the Jefferson County Government Building in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, you've got, up at this point, they've got really nothing. They've got the fact that he, someone had placed branches or limbs across the road at exit 34 off the Bluegrass Parkway in a very isolated area of that exit. The only way when they were pulling up that they could see where Officer Ellis was is the, the lights of his cruiser flashing off of the rock walls. You've got limbs blocking the road to the left side. As he gets out, Officer Ellis gets out to move the limbs. As soon as he grabs an armful of them, is shot ambush style from a height advantage and killed. So, at this point, everyone in the community is just beside themselves. Who could have done this? Much less to a normal citizen, but an officer of the court, of the law, it it is, people are just dumbfounded. So the investigation is, is, is starting to, you know, take off, but they have nothing. They have nothing. Obviously, they're going to start looking through his cases. Him being a canine officer, it would make sense that he has arrested someone, he has busted someone, he has ruined someone's life, and they're going to get paybacks on it. But before they do any investigation, the funeral itself was uh, particularly sad. And I know most of you out there are dog people, but this dog... Well, police officer Ellis was survived by his wife... Amy Ellis, two sons, Hunter Ellis, five, and Parker Ellis, four, a mother, two sisters, Kelly Eastman and Lacey Young, and seven nieces and nephews. His brother-in-law, Nathan Phillips, was also a Bardstown police officer. His funeral service was held at 11 a.m., May 30th, 2013, at Parkway Baptist Church of Bardstown. Being the only Bardstown police officer killed in the line of duty, hundreds of Bardstown citizens and interstate police officers lined the procession route. He was buried at Highview Cemetery, Chaplin, Kentucky. During the final service, Figo, his husky canine partner, laid his paw on the casket. Which I've seen pictures of that, it's terrible. It's definitely sad. I mean, the situation without a dog is sad, but if you put a dog like that in the mix, it's very sad. And, of course, the the dog is retired at this point and given to the family to live out the rest of its days with its, its owner's or master's family. Unfortunately, the dog did pass away from natural causes several years later, so the dog Figo is no longer with us. The investigation kicks off. Kentucky State Police conducted and continues to conduct the investigation into his death. 
Initially, investigators believe Officer Ellis, while on his way home, stopped to assist the motorist and was murdered. By then, end of May 25th, it was ascertained that the tragedy, or I'm sorry, the trajectory of the bullets placed the shooter on a hill above the exit. It was then believed that Ellis stopped to move debris from the roadway and was ambushed, the coroner's office said. See, what makes that ambush so particular is that the limbs themselves were not from that area. They didn't even grow in that area of Kentucky. So, whoever had them, I mean, I'm sure they didn't go to a different area, cut a different tree down and bring it, but for some reason, I think that whoever had done this obviously has ties to a different area. Maybe they're in the business or maybe they just had didn't realize that the limbs they were cutting or trees were not in not from that area. But on May 29, 2013, Bardstown Chief Rick McCubbin went public with We believe that he was the target, McCubbin said, because this was methodical, precise, planned, and executed in a perfect fashion. The debris that Officer Ellis removed was tree limbs from a tree not indigenous to the area, so it was likely brought there for the purpose of setting up the ambush. On June 2nd, 2013, Jeff Ruby, the owner of multiple high-end restaurants, posted a $33,000 reward for the information leading to the arrest and conviction of Officer Ellis's murder. The posting brought the total to $100,000, by November 2017, the total reward had elevated to 200000 By June 18, 2013, with still no solid evidence to go on, Kentucky State Police established a hotline, Ellis Case ETIPS at ky.gov, set up at KSP Post 4 for any information regarding the incident, tree trimmings in Nelson County, etc., as of January 2014, the reward for identifying Officer Ellis's murderer had grown to a quarter of a million dollars. But on the first anniversary of his death, there have been no advances in the case. We'll be right back. Let's just do some recap here. Officer Jason Ellis was heading home May 25th, 2013. He calls off for the evening around 2 a.m. He's on his way home. This particular night, he doesn't have his dog. He doesn't have his dash cam because he is not in his vehicle. It is in the shop for repairs. As he takes exit 34 like he does every other night to go home, as he gets about midway up the ramp, he notices some branches. As any good police officer would do, he stops, turns his blue lights on, and gets out of the vehicle. As he walks over toward the branches, or the limbs, bends down to pick up an arm load, stands up, at that very moment is ambushed 
by shotgun blasts ringing out from above him because this particular section of the exit is engulfed by two rock walls. Someone's got the high ground and it's not looking good for Officer Ellis. He's killed immediately. His service revolver's still in its holster. He probably didn't even know what had hit him or happened. The investigation goes cold. There's nowhere to go, nobody to talk to, no questions to ask. They've interviewed a couple of gang members in Bardstown. They've heard some rumors of gang members bragging about killing Officer Ellis, but we all know what that is. Bullshit. Just a couple of thugs trying to get some street credit with some shit they ain't got the fucking balls to do. The only way this case will ever be solved is if someone involved or someone that's close to the involved speaks up break the case wide open speak up because once it breaks once that little crack and it starts to fold it'll start not making sense but oh okay I see so we're talking about the ambushed murder of a canine police officer the only canine So that's going to lead me to believe that he's got a lot of enemies because at this particular time, Kentucky is filled with opiate pills. At the height of 2010, 2008-2010, the pill mills in Florida were operating on full force at this time. So he had his work cut out for him. I'm sure... He could have spent every second of every day arresting a drug user or drug dealers off the street. Now, I know some, I'm telling you right now, some of these local folks were probably at this time moving some pretty large numbers. So don't be surprised if a couple a local yokel there wasn't making 10, 15, 20 grand a week. And you take that from somebody. They might just think about killing you. But it's going to take one person to open this case wide open. And I hope that it's solved. I hope that whoever has some knowledge will step forward and do the right thing. And give this family some closure as to this tragedy of why. Because I'm sure that's the main question. We hate that anything happens like this. But then when it does, why? Because if it doesn't make sense to us, we can't wrap our head around it. We can't rationalize it away. Why? Well, this. Why? Well, because of this. Why? And so the and not having the answers mixed in with having a loved one that's gone makes it ten times worse. Okay, so we know he was ambushed. We know that the limbs were indigenous to that area, so they were brought in for the purpose of an ambush. And whoever had done this knew his route, knew his habits, knew his work schedule, knew that he wasn't in his car, knew that he didn't have his dog, knew that he didn't have a camera. So somebody's got a lot of knowledge about his whereabouts and where he's going and what he's doing. 
because the police chief said it that this was a well executed and planned out murder ambush it was a military precision which we know what comes next in Bardstown this wouldn't be the last murder that people would ask why why Bardstown's full of why most beautiful little city in America has got some skeletons in the closet. <laughs>